Well, good evening. Can you hear me okay? Is that on? All right, good. If you would, please join me in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 20. Acts 20, verse 27. So first, let's uh, go to the Lord one more time. Ask his blessing on the preaching of his word. Father, uh, we thank you for your word and we thank you for brothers and sisters who have come before us who preached it uh, with boldness and clarity and who didn't leave out any of it but preached the full counsel of God. And we pray that we would now uh, learn from their example and that you would teach us by your spirit uh, about preaching your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we're in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 27, which reads, For I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. If you were to, to leave this Christian fellowship, say you were uh, moving out of Elgin or from the area and never to be seen again, what would your last words be? What would be foremost on your mind to share? Would you uh, be concerned with this brother or sister, uh, whether they'll ever find a, a spouse or uh, finally get a good health uh, report and a good diagnosis? Um, maybe you're concerned that the, the building's going to fall apart without you there to, to take care of it. Or... Maybe you wouldn't have a second thought about it. Maybe uh, you'd just be looking forward to, to what lies ahead. Well, in our passage tonight, you get to see such a moment between the Apostle Paul and the elders at Ephesus. Paul is stopping by on his way back to Jerusalem. And although he doesn't know what lies ahead of him, the Spirit has made it clear that danger awaits him in every city. And so Paul makes it clear that this is farewell. Next time they see him, it will not be in this world. And he has just one thing on his mind, that these brothers would continue to preach a clear, full gospel message. And he reminds them that he did not shrink back from declaring to them the whole counsel of God, and he wants them to follow his example. So let's consider uh, four things that Paul's life and ministry uh, demonstrated that he would have them and us follow his example in. One, he would have us follow his example of boldness. Paul firstly reminds them that he did not shrink back from the task of declaring the whole counsel of God to them. Paul understood that there was an offensiveness to the gospel that would make men angry with his sharing it with them. Jew, Gentile, Greek, barbarian, there's something in the gospel to offend everyone because it lays guilt at everyone's feet and refuses to let anyone but Christ have any honor, glory, or praise in the matter of uh, their standing before God. Paul 
refused to be a man pleaser in that sense. And Paul himself, of course, uh, was so offended himself when first hearing the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus that he became an active persecutor and enemy of the church. He stood and watched with approval as Stephen was stoned to death for proclaiming the gospel. And his time in Ephesus was by no means his first ministerial rodeo. By this time, his public preaching had been met with the expulsion from synagogues, arrests, beatings, scoffings, death threats, and general chaos in cities all over the Mediterranean. Perhaps the most spectacularly violent response yet had been right there in Ephesus, where the whole city was in an uproar, howling for his blood in the amphitheater. And even so, Paul reminds the elders that he did not shrink back from proclaiming the gospel. And no doubt they remembered that event and how Paul's initial reaction was a desire to go there to the amphitheater so that he could preach the good news to the whole city in one go. A riot! The whole city, you say? In the amphitheater? Hold my drink, brother. I'm going in. Paul encouraged them and encourages us to follow his example of boldness for Christ. He knows people respond negatively, even violently, but Christ's lost sheep need to be called home, and they respond with joy and gladness at the forgiveness of their wanderings. They leave off their sinful ways and turn towards Christ. Paul would remind us that the very worst that could happen to us isn't what men think of us or could do to us, but what God may think of us or do to us. He was a first-hand witness of mobs, angry mobs, mobs that were angry at him personally, and a first-hand witness of the glorious joy awaiting Christ's faithful And so we can take his word for it when he says that the hardships we face on this earth for the gospel aren't even worth comparing to what lies ahead. But what lies ahead isn't inherited by the cowardly. Besides, part of loving your neighbor means laboring to have them still be your neighbor in the heavenly Jerusalem. How's that for an over-the-fence conversation Hey, neighbor, you want to be neighbors forever? (laughs) Number two, he would have us follow his example of clarity. Paul reminds them that he declared the whole counsel of God to them openly, publicly, going house to house, leaving back nothing that was profitable. He didn't mince words or speak the offensive parts quietly and the part that men like to hear loudly. There was no secret password to get into Tyrannus's lecture hall where he was teaching, no handshake to mark off the initiated from the uninitiated. No hidden funny business with mysteries uh, and the secret rites hidden from public eye. He spoke the gospel to the whole world wherever he went. This was so much his common practice. Some would come to despise the humble and open preaching of the gospel and crave uh, myths and uh, 
spectacular wives' tales and the teachings of super apostles, uh, what some would come to call the deep things of Satan. But Paul tells us to have nothing to do with such babblings and irreverent myths, to keep a close eye on our life and doctrine, and let the gospel be proclaimed in all its simplicity and beauty openly and publicly by our teaching and our life with a clarity that a child could understand and without speaking out of both sides of our mouth to try to please both the world and the Lord. In a day and age which puts a premium on authenticity, let the world see a sincere, authentic servant of Christ like Paul showed the Greco-Roman world. I can't promise that people will either riot or be converted if you do, But remember to praise God either way if they do, for so they responded to every prophet, apostle, or reformer. Number three, he would have us to follow his example of fullness in preaching. Paul reminds them that he spoke the whole counsel of God to them. He spoke of the patriarchs and of the promises to them of Moses and the law of God, of Israel and God's faithfulness to bring her a redeemer, of Christ Jesus, slain by men and made sin-bearer by God and raised for our justification. He spoke of Christ's eternal glory and the mysteries of God's election through him, of his coming again in judgment and power, and of the raising of the dead, of the life everlasting, and of the due punishment awaiting sinners. On one hand, he preached Christ crucified and resurrected and determined to preach nothing but this message, And on the other hand, he spoke of marriage and the home and family, life in the public world, life in the church, work and money, about spiritual and earthly powers and principalities and enduring by faith through this present dark and evil age. And to Paul, these two things are one and the same, since there is nothing which the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not concerned with. His example teaches us to have a full application of the gospel, whether applying it in public ministry or to our own souls. The redemption bought by Jesus Christ is redemption of the whole man and to not pursue the renewal of every aspect of the redeemed life, of every hidden thing in the heart, and to take every thought captive is to deny the fullness of his work. Our Relationships with one another here in the church should be marked by the full application of the gospel wisdom as we pray and take counsel with each other and encourage one another to continue growing in our spiritual resurrection. And what about when we're out about in the world, say at work or at the grocery store? It's not like you're going to have time to preach the whole counsel of God with your friends and acquaintances and And that's okay, just remember that since God's counsel concerns everything, every conversation can be made into an occasion to share God's wisdom and the need for Christ's need to make even this thing new. So Paul instructs us to preach the whole counsel of God, either in its entirety or in the fullness of its application. Number four, He instructs us to follow his example of preaching God's counsel. 
Paul reminds us that it was not his own words or wisdom that he preached. He didn't philosophize, mythologize, or propagandize. He didn't even theologize. He didn't engage in sophistry or give the vain speculations of his own mind. It was God's counsel that Paul gave. Counsel to go and reason together with God, to have your scarlet sins made white as snow, to buy milk and wine without money, to be washed in the waters of baptism as an appeal to God for a good conscience. He taught God-breathed wisdom, which is profitable for every task and occasion to make the person whole and perfect in Christ. It was a word which has, was an answer to every question, and always in due season, and always a joy in Paul's mouth. This may be something we take for granted uh, in our own circles, but this very day there was untold thousands who went to listen eagerly to a message which, unbeknownst to them, had absolutely nothing to do with the Bible they held in their hand. That's just Sunday morning in uh, buildings with nice lawns marked church. Only the Lord knows how many millions go deceived every day hearing false words and lying counsels which have nothing to do with God or the world he created and which lead to death. The world Paul lived in was already uh, filled to the gills uh, with idolatrous practices and worldviews which do not profit but which kill. How much more severe is the situation when even the guy you know who's the only person who knows the truth about 9-11 has access to a worldwide community of listeners? Even our own little fellowship here has a international audience whether you're Paul Alexander or Jim Weyberg. The Apostle Paul's admonition to all of us is to preach the counsel of God as the only message which saves, as the only truth and only wisdom on earth. Husbands, share the word with your wives and your children, and wives, counsel your husbands and encourage them according to the word. Children, listen diligently to your parents as they instruct you from the word. Then share it with your friends. Grow in having your words and your conversations be thoroughly soaked with gospel truth. So to summarize here, just before our verse, Paul proclaims to the elders at Ephesus that I am innocent of the blood of all men. And he gives our verse today as his reason because for I did not shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God to you. His conscience before God and man was clear and no man could truly say on the day of judgment that they didn't know because Paul didn't tell them. If that doesn't convict you, uh, I don't know what will. There's people whom I lived with for years that I can honestly uh, not say that I'm innocent of their blood. Paul coveted no man's silver or gold. He withheld no good or profitable teaching from the Ephesians. From his first day in Asia, he did not cease serving the Lord with humility and tears by teaching the gospel 
of repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And this is because Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was put under an obligation to Jew and Gentile. He was set as a watchman on the wall to declare the coming judgment of God and the good news of salvation in Christ. His life and his doctrine, therefore, forms the foundation of the church and is the model for us to imitate individually and corporately. If the Apostle Paul were somehow able to come and visit this congregation today, his last words would be the same as they were to the Ephesians, the same as they were to Timothy. Follow me even as I follow Jesus Christ. He would have the church to be the city on the hill and the light and the darkness that Jesus has made it to be. Boldly and brightly shining through the darkness with the light of Christ, both to expose sin and to uh, illuminate the great glory of God, proclaiming the message of God's self-revelation in Jesus Christ as being all and in all and being good stewards of the gospel message given to us. The Apostle Paul successfully discharged his duty to establish Christ's church in making disciples of all the nations, and now it's our turn to do our part. So uh, when you give your last words to this congregation, either at the end of this Sabbath day together, or if you move away, or because you are going on to glory before us, please don't shrink back from declaring the whole counsel of God to us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a light uh, to our feet without which we would stumble blindly in the darkness. We thank you that you have sent Christ to be uh, the light for us, that you have sent apostles and faithful messengers to proclaim to us the only saving message of repentance and faith in Christ's atoning work for us. We pray that these things would be always on our lips, whether we are talking and giving counsel and uh, taking comfort with one another or we are out witnessing in the world. We pray that Uh, we would take your counsel and we would give it to the world. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.